citizens, it's Vincent Jones, aka Citizen Jones, here with another episode of Quarantine and Chill, a daily podcast where we talk to LGBTQ people from around the world, learning more about their story and how they are experiencing the coronavirus pandemic, or what I affectionately call the zombie apocalypse. So grab a drink with or without alcohol and tag a few friends on the socials to join you for this kiki. And let's quarantine and chill. You know you can't go nowhere. Hell no. Hello there, Uh-oh. Estevan and um, the West of Hollywood. How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good, Vincent Jones. I'm good. So I mean, I could be better, but I'm good. This is true, but it's so good to see you um, and to hear you. And I'm looking forward to having a kiki with you. But mm-hmm. before we jump into it, um, so you live in West Hollywood now, but you're from San Diego. What was it like in San Diego? And especially what's the gay life like there? Well, I grew up in San Diego, but I don't feel like I experienced being a out gay man in San Diego, right? I, I went after San Diego, I came to college up here in Los Angeles, went to UCLA. Um, and that's, this is where I really have had my experiences. So my experiences in San Diego have really been as a visitor. And so I've gone to like Hillcrest um, and North Park and to some of the LGBT bars there. And I've enjoyed it, but it's very quintessential San Diego. San Diego is very laid back. It's a beach town. People are much more casual. They like to wear a flip flop or two, usually two, two. <laughs> and uh, a tank top. You know, it's very, it's very cash. And I've never been casual. There's nothing casual about me, um, except what I'm wearing right now in this lockdown. So <laughs> it's just. It's a different place, but I I love it. I, I it's beautiful. It's so calm. It's all my family's still down there. It's a beautiful place to retire, in my opinion. In your opinion, yes. And it, 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 it and it is a very interesting. Uh, has a very interesting gay life there. It's almost um, it's not a place you would expect to have a large gay community in many ways, but I think because of the naval base that was there, um, that really promoted a big gay community there, similar to what happened in San Francisco. Um, years ago. Well, you know, San Diego is a big city. I think it's the eighth or ninth biggest city. I don't know. Those things fluctuate the all the time, but in the country. Oh, that I did not know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a major city, uh, but there's San Diego County and then there's San Diego City. San Diego right. County is a little bit more moderate, probably when I was growing up conservative, but a little bit more moderate now. Um, San Diego City is a liberal city. I mean, they've, you know, if you just look at the politics of it, they've gone from Republican to Democrat to Republican mayor in recent years, but was heavily Republican in terms of its leadership when I was growing up. But in terms of just just the city itself, it's it's young, it's vibrant. Like downtown is like any other downtown. I actually find downtown San Diego far more livable than Los Angeles downtown. A lot more fun, a lot more clean. Um, it's a it's an exciting place to live. I have a few friends that live down there in the marina, and that is extraordinary. 
but San Diego County is just as, you know, big and diverse um, as lots of counties, Los Angeles obviously being bigger, but, you know, we have various cities and different pockets of, and different cultures. Um, so I, I think it's hard to pinpoint San Diego's one thing, but I do think if there is one thing about San Diego that sticks out is that it's really laid back and it's like a giant beach community. Even if you're not on the coast, everyone is just a lot more relaxed about life. Like, hey man, how's it hanging, bro? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I like my get, brother. <laughs> I like to get started kind of asking people about where they're from, in part because you now we do have a global audience and people aren't always familiar with the city people are from. And we have a very narrow idea of gay communities around the world. So I like people have a good sense of what is gay life like in more of the world. It also tells a little bit about. Um, it gives a little more um, insight into who you are and what helped to create and shape the man, the myth, the legend that is Esteban Montemayor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and before we lot, get to more of that, of let's, 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 let's do some hot topics, can we? Oh, that's hot. Please, Whoopi. Thank you. Yes. Who are you going to be? If I'm Whoopi, who are you? <laughs> um, I'm a mixture of... I think I'm a mixture of all of them, but I think Joy Behar and Megan McCain. Not in oh. terms of her politics, <laughs> but in terms of her demeanor. And uh, she can be a little fiery, and so can yes. I. Yes, yes, I love it. Yeah. Um, um, we've had some fiery late-night chats um, after lots of drinks out in the town. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of, yes, chat, speaking of fiery chats, one thing that's going on nowadays is, you know, Trump has his daily propaganda show. And um, mm-hmm. one constant has been that he has done, like, gone toe-to-toe with, um, with some journalists, typically women or people of color. What is your thoughts about the way he's um, treated journalists and, and, and what implications do you think that has for how the coronavirus has played out in the country? Well, he has no regard for journalism. He has no regard for anyone other than himself. Maybe his children from time to time, but mostly himself. And so I just, I I don't watch those things. I just can't bring myself to watch them. I watched the first few just because, you know, for the medical experts, that is. Um, You know, I'll tune in to our governor, Governor Gavin Newsom here in California. I'll tune in to... Um, our mayor, Mayor Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles, and um, our county health experts. But I don't learn anything from the White House. It's just ridiculous. And frankly, I don't think any of the cable news shows or cable news channels should be uh, featuring him on live television anymore. It's dangerous. You know, it's it's literally frightening how much he has misled this country, and it is disturbing how our worst nightmares have been exceeded um, by this man every single day. Hillary warned us. She told us. She said, don't do it. Don't go there. Get out of your home. Go and vote. Take, take five minutes, 10 minutes, or 45 minutes if you know the Republicans are going to challenge if you can vote or not. But go and do it, no matter how difficult it is. And here we are. And um, a lot of people didn't do it. 
and uh, she's not the president, and he is, and he's literally going to kill us all. And the irony is, we thought at the beginning of 2020, it was going to be a nuclear war with Iran. But what we didn't know was like, <laughs> it was like, oh, lurking in the in the back in the cut was this coronavirus that we didn't really know about, but he knew about, and he said, oh. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> and then kind of just went about his own little way. And here we are now, close to, what, 80, 90,000 Americans um, dead in our economy going to shit. And we're not half, even halfway through the year yet, so who knows what is to come. I mean, I wouldn't rule out anything. I mean, at this point, anything's right. possible with this man. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, and, and even, even beyond him, we've had this locust. There's these these murderous um, these murder hornets. Um, there was a fire there. Yeah. Like everything that could happen is happening. What's also happening? There's this um, there's like this explosion of drag shows on TV. So there was always yes. drag race, and now there's RuPaul's secret mm-hmm. celebrity drag race, and then there's We Are Here on HBO with um, what Eureka. Um, um, Bob the Drag Queen and Shangela, and then there's um, Dragnificent with um, four of them. I forget all their names. So Juju B, um, Bibi Zahara Zane, um, um, Bibi Zahara Zane, Thorgy, and the other one who's like kind of forgettable. What are your thoughts about um, this, like the drag explosion on TV? I love it. I have to be honest with you. I wasn't really. Not that I don't appreciate drag, I always have. It's an incredible art form. But I never really watched RuPaul's Drag Race until quarantine. <gasps> oh um, and I mean, I know, I know, people think that's crazy. And um, I, I I would agree with them that I feel like I, I've been missing out all these years. I would watch like on YouTube and like all like the cool videos or like the amazing lip sync challenges. But I've been watching this season and I've also been watching the um, secret celebrity drag race as well, um, which they're definitely keeping those celebrities a secret because I still don't know who they are when they reveal them. Girl, the shade, the shade of it all. So right. there's that. <laughs> there's that. I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see Vanessa Williams on it. And I was like, oh yeah. my God, they must oh. have made her to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. No, yeah. but no, I agree. But I agree. I, I mean, I've always watched Drag Race, and I, but I love that there is all this like gaiety on TV. And I think, and and so you you obviously haven't seen We're mm-hmm. Here on HBO or Dragnificent. I must say that We're Here is one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. It, I mean, it kind of has the concept of like a queer eye for the straight guy. But it's like the level of heart that has. Yeah, I, I find myself like tearing up, and I could be a cold, icy bitch. Um, I kind of tearing up every episode, <laughs> and I feel like it, it's like very cathartic in this time period to watch both of those shows. I mean, all of those shows and how they really help. Like what I think about are like the gay young people who are trapped at home with their homophobic parents, um, who are able to still have some kind of outlet to um to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel it's hope it just provides hope and it also provides um a lens into our community and the humanity of it all 
and for those who are allies or soon to be allies of the community. And I think that's important. That's what it's all about. I mean, you know, the more people know us, the more that they support us. That's just the way it is. And I I mean, it's also just good television. I mean, let's just Mm -hmm. call it, you know, what it is. I mean, it's good television. It's fun. It's entertaining. And it's just sharing our stories with everyone. Um, And, you know, this is a really diverse community. It's a very diverse world. There's so much to be shared. And it doesn't always have to be the same cookie cutter that we're watching, the same sitcom, the same drama, the same white people doing the same white things they've always done with their white bread and the white house and the white uh, curtains. We don't need that. We've seen that. Thank you. And you know what? If we do need to go see it, we can go look at the backlog on Hulu and Netflix and like go down memory lane. Yes. Let's see something new. Yeah. I love and I love and I, and I feel like you have brought that attitude um, to LA Pride, which you serve as the um, chair of the board of. And this would have been, mm-hmm. this is the 50th um, Pride, the 50th anniversary of Pride in LA, um, but it's been postponed and actually is going to first was postponed very early and then it was now made digital. Can you share a little bit about um, what, what, what's the experience, what the, your thought process and your emotion when you first decided early on to postpone it and then when you decide to make it virtual? Well, it's interesting because it it almost feels like, you know, a year ago at this point, but it was only two months ago when we announced our postponement from, we are always the second weekend in June. You know, there's prides all over the country and world and, you know, some of some of the bigger prides we try to stagger um, ourselves out so not to conflict with others. Of course, that's incredibly hard to do. There's only so many weekends in June, and mm-hmm. some prides do theirs. You know, in other summer months, and so we had thought, okay, well, we won't do Pride in in June, but let's postpone it maybe to September, October, maybe November. You know, at the latest. But you know, we're here in in California summer extends you know into the early fall and we're really lucky to have good weather um and when we made that announcement uh, and it was based off of a decision the city of West Hollywood had made the city had said we're going to cancel all events through June end of June and we're like okay well honestly we didn't really have a choice I mean we could have looked at you know moving it to outside of West Hollywood's borders because you know for those out there we don't understand all the geography of Los Angeles County. West Hollywood's its own city in Los Angeles with its own rules and own city council, own mayor, all that stuff. And, um, you know, they made that decision and, you know, we respected it completely. And um, we just, we wanted to stay in West Hollywood. So we said, okay, we'll, we'll do this after June. And obviously it's become incredibly clear that's not going to be possible um, mm-hmm. to host anything in the fall. So we decided that we would postpone the celebration, the in-person celebration of the 50th anniversary till, um, till next June, June um, of 2021. With a virtual pride, what does that look like? Like, how do you, how do you even imagine that? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll find out. Right now, we don't know. <laughs> Good question. Um, I'm. I'm uh, working on it. 
is what I'm doing nonstop. <laughs> there's a lot of people working on it. There's there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of fun opportunities. We're we're going to have a lot of different pieces that we're working on, but one piece that we are excited about um, that'll be announced by the time this airs is a special that we're doing with ABC. Um, we'll have oh. a nine a ninety minute special that Raven Simone co-hosts um, with some other ABC uh, talent, and it will um, be a a a fun experience, an interesting experience because everyone will be social distanced and they won't be yeah. together. <laughs> um, but um, we're working on uh, programming that right now. There'll be some fun special surprises on it, and that will take place on june 14th on abc here in los angeles i know our um our sister pride in new york is also doing the same thing uh with their uh abc affiliate Um, on the same day no the last the last weekend of june that's usually when they do their pride um so that's one thing we have planned um that is you know pretty mostly fully baked we're still getting all the pieces together but We've got some other things that we're seeking to do um, on the social channels and mostly working with a lot with our sponsors, trying to figure out what they want to do, what's right. specific to their interests um, and what's the nexus between our community and our interests and creating those opportunities. And honestly, they may not all happen in June. What might You might see things happen later this year because um, mm. our strategy is to create uh, pride 365 um, to celebrate pride to remember pride to live pride again it's uh, it's an ethos and so we have to practice it every single day and so I think what we'll see is programming you know sometime in August and September maybe for national coming out day in October uh, we could do stuff during the holidays and and then build up into next year, which will be the 50th anniversary of Pride, because there wouldn't have been a physical Pride in oh, that's 2020. True. That's so really the, fif- the 50th parade will take place in 2021. Hey there, citizens. Can you do us a solid? Can you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform or as many as you want? And give us a five-star rating. That will really help. Love you dearly. Smoochies. What are some of the ways in which this Pride was going to be special, and um, and why? What are some of the first of LA Pride in general? Well, this year, twenty twenty, is this the fiftieth anniversary of Pride, the concept of Pride um, as we know it today. Um, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and I believe Chicago all on the same day, the last Sunday of June, decided to gather in their their cities and to march and to make their voices heard to commemorate one year later, the Stonewall Uprising. Oh, right. Now, so last makes, year was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and this year is the 50th anniversary correct. of Pride. I got you. There yeah. You go. And so those, those four major cities, you know, led the way to have what we now know as pride you know Mm -hmm. the year before was the uprising was the event that led to it but what makes los angeles different than the other cities is that the other cities decided to have marches and um, 
was there was a much stronger um like uh, activist tone. And Los Angeles was still uh, had the activist tone to it, but they decided to take a different approach and to seek a permit from the city of Los Angeles and to have a parade. And that they had an issue at the time in 1970 getting a permit from the at the time it was through LAPD, uh, mm-hmm. the police department that was very homophobic. Mm-hmm. And even when they eventually did get the allowance to have a permit, it was put with so much restrictions and financial hardship. It was going to cost them a million dollars just to have the have the the permit from the city. A million dollars and nineteen seventy dollars. Yeah. Wow. So I'm gonna do the math on that. I'm gonna say, what is that today? Keep going. I'm gonna see what that is in today's dollars. So the ACLU joined with Christopher Street West's founders um, and took it to court, and the court ruled in the favor of this organization and said, "You can't put, you know, undue hardship on this nonprofit." Um, on this group of people that are just seeking to convene. You need to allow them to to gather. You need to allow them to have their parade. And you can't, you know, interfere with it. And they did. And it was the world's first permitted pride parade. Wow. That's amazing. So because that history, even though I've lived here for many years, and I've been to many LA Pride, I never fully understood that story. Mm-hmm. And I just did a little look-see. And... Would you believe that a million dollars in 1970 is equivalent to $6.6 million today? (laughs) Well, I couldn't afford that today either. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I was like, like, oh, Lord, Jesus, what in the hell are they talking about? Um, So, so yeah, so 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 that is, um, it was a good thing we, we were able to have World Pride last year. To be able to to be able to celebrate, to I'm celebrate. so tired from it. I have to say, I'm, <laughs> I, it actually might be okay that we postponed this year because I'm still recovering from that <laughs> incredible event. But um, you know, that's what makes Los Angeles special in this um, incredible um, tapestry of history that we all share as a country. Each city. Um, each pocket of this country has a different, you know, contribution to the movement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Los Angeles, we have many. Um, we have many, many contributions, and that's just one of them. You know, p- people also don't um, recall that our LGBT center here is the world's first LGBT center in the world, um, and and obviously oldest, um, the first um, reported uprising against uh, law enforcement happened in downtown Los Angeles uh, at uh, Cooper's Donuts. And wasn't the first um, case of HIV um, also reported here? I think, I think so, if not one of the first. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, the Mattachine Society, uh, a secret society uh, where gay men had congregated to organize and to gather with like-minded people was here in Los Angeles. Uh, so there's so much history. Um, I, I, we love our brothers and sisters um, in New York. They they often get a big piece of the 
the credit. Uh, but Los Angeles uh, has been fighting the fight too, along with so many cities. When you decided to make to postpone the Pride, then make it virtual. Was there a financial impact to the organization? Because even though Pride is a Pride is a it's a festival, there's an organization, there's staff, there's sponsors. It's a multi-million dollar endeavor. It's a million dollar endeavor to put together. What were the implications of that decision? If you can share. Yeah, multi-million is the was the right way to phrase okay. it. Yeah, it's, it's a multi-million dollar endeavor. Um, our our budget was in the millions this year, um, and um, and uh, yeah, there's definitely there's, we're definitely going to take a hit. I mean, there's no ticket sales, there's no uh, food and beverage sales. Um, so the the fundraiser part that of pride does not occur any longer in the same way that it did but we still have a lot of sponsors who are still committed to working with us and that has been really heartwarming because listen there are people and corporations out there or companies that will just knock on your door and say hey we want to do something for pride right (laughs) how can we help right like who are you i've never (laughs) heard of you I mean, my dog is going crazy. I'm sorry. I don't know if you hear that. It's okay. <laughs> We're all at home he's, together, even with the dog. <laughs> he's he's upset about these corporations too, and right. <laughs> they 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 just kind of you know turn the corner and they tell you, hey, how can we we've got some money and uh, we want to you know it's basically an, an advertisement for them. But when we look at sponsors we're vetting these people are you a true partner or not you don't have to have been with us for 10 years 20 years but you have to be committed to pride and pride is not an event okay pride is an ethos it's a way of being it's a it's something that should be practiced 365 days of the year not one weekend in june and not just one month out of the year amen so that is what we have sought to do with every sponsor that we have vetted. And we have sponsors that sure may, you know, you, you can look them up and they have, they may have made some questionable decisions in their past, but so have all of us, yeah. <laughs> <Quite> frankly, <laughs> we've all made some yes. questionable decisions. Yes. Yes. The question yes. is what is in your heart right. and what decisions are you going to be making in the future to ensure right that you are supporting this community. And um, that's what's been incredible about the folks who have stayed with us during this pandemic. Uh, and some of them have been honest, like, hey, we don't have the same amount of money as we did. Our, our budgets have been slashed, but we still want to help. Uh, we've got a little bit of money here, or we can support in this other way, um, or we are with you next year 100%. Like, just know that. Please don't forget about us, and let's keep talking. So that has been incredible. And, you know, we're, we're going to balance the budget. We're going to be fine as an organization. Um, I'm grateful for that. We're, we're a small organization, but that allows us to be nimble. Um, but there's so many prides out there that are so much you know smaller in size and don't have the same amount of resources or the pro bono services that we get offered um, or the access to celebrities or movie studios and, and music management companies. Cause we're here in this great um, Mecca of entertainment. 
Right. And I, I think about those. So we had been thinking, you know, what our responsibility is as a major city and as a major pride uh, in regards to helping those smaller prides and those smaller nonprofits. So we're putting together um, a program and a fund to support those. We'll be announcing more details on that in the future. But, you know, I think we're going to have the ability to do that. And if we can, we should and we will. I love that. No, I've been I've been thinking a lot about the um, LGBT organizations, but I haven't been, I haven't thought about the points you raised about those smaller pride organizations and like the Fresnos or like mm-hmm. basically the small cities all around the world. And I know there's an enterprise organization that um, is like an association yeah. of all the prides around the world. Has there been conversations among the enterprise community about this and how support? these smaller organizations or support all the prides in general? Yeah, well, Enterprise has already been doing a lot of good work in this um, space. They have a fund to support prides in general. They have, uh, we've contributed to that in the past and um, they've got some great scholarship programs, grant programs. Um, But what we're really seeking to do is create um, a relief program. Um, And it's something we've actually talked about doing prior to this pandemic about mm-hmm. how uh, CSW, Christopher Street West, um, used to have a grant giving program of small grants to small nonprofits that either worked in the LGBTQ plus space or were, were um, serving our community um, as clients. Um, I think about the Celebration Theater, which is a small nonprofit here in Los Angeles. It's an arts nonprofit. It's a theater dedicated to LGBTQ plus theater in a small 99-seat space. And the stories that they tell, whether they're new works or um, whether it is reimagining uh, old work that we're all used to, like cabaret in a whole new way. Um, Mm -hmm. These are really incredible pieces and they get written up in the LA Times and other like major publications and they get the accolades that they deserve. And so, but they're small, like they're small nonprofit, they're nimble, all arts organizations are and they need support. So I think about those types of organizations that are out there, the Trans Latina um, Coalition that's serving- Mm-hmm. Bambi Salcedo. In fact, I've been working with her in my day job, um, trying to get her some grants in the city uh, to serve their clients who need rental assistance and food assistance. Um, the, you know, the trans Latina uh, community here in Los Angeles is often forgotten about in ter- mm-hmm. when you think about the bigger organizations that are out there or even our own government. Um, so we love our LGBT center and our GLADs and our HRCs, all of those uh, organizations that do good work and they need help too. Um, but then we've got these smaller organizations that, you know, people just, they forget about sometimes mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, you know, they may not have the big glitzy gala. They may not have, you know, the big, you know, event that you're used to going to every April or whatever month it is. So we right, got to support right. them too. So in your day job, um, you do something very different. Um, mm-hmm. well, not very different, but different somewhat. Um, you yeah. work for a city council member um, and the, for the LA City Council. Um, how has this pandemic affected your work? And um, what are, uh, yeah, how has it affected your work? 
Yeah, I work um, for a Los Angeles City Council member, Council Member David Rue. He represents the Hollywood area, the Hollywood Hills, Koreatown, uh, the area around Universal Studios and like Griffith Park, um, Los Feliz and Silver Lake. It's a really cool district and it's very diverse um, in thought and culture and people. Um, and the Los Angeles City Council is, it's a major city. Los Angeles is the second largest city in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. the, count, the city council is incredibly powerful. Um, a lot of um, influence over how we build the city, how it looks, how we move around, um, mobility issues, environmental issues, uh, housing issues. Um, and we've got a lot going on right now. We've got a pandemic. We've got a housing crisis. We had a homeless crisis. We had an environmental crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a potential uh, budget crisis, and now we definitely have it. So there was a lot of issues on the forefront. And while that's you know can be intimidating and and serious, it's also exciting because uh, in these big moments is opportunity to make real change. And you right. saw that at the federal level with some of the the relief packages um, in Washington D.C. Um, with really pushing some progressive policies. And Los Angeles is able to do that too um, if they think outside the box. So we froze the rents um, for uh, for rent-stabilized units so they can't go up for 12 months after this emergency is over. So Can you believe, um, though, with Thyroid, so I live in the city of L.A., and that's, that's where that order is applies. But can you believe that my shady ass landlords, I mentioned before on the, on the podcast, they sent a letter, they posted letters to all on all of our doors. It was about two or three days before that um, that vote happened to make that policy, saying they wanted to raise our rent for the month of May. And I said, oh no. I said, y'all are crazy. <laughs> it is a global pandemic. Are you trying to get what it, whatever it was, like 20 some extra dollars a month from folks? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like you. You lucky. You'd be lucky if you get any rent from a lot of people um, at all. It is insane. It's listen. It's it's just common sense. No one should be having to pay more for their rent during this pandemic. People have lost their jobs. They've been furloughed. Hours have been reduced, or they have their jobs, but the uncertainty exists uh, for mm-hmm. the future. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, and whether it's ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a hundred and fifty dollars. That for a lot of people is just more money towards something that they can't afford, right. and that racks up the debt, that creates more stress, that can lead to depression, that leads to a whole host of issues that that we just want to avoid if we can. So that's that's the world that I live in right now. Um, in my and you have to keep job. going into the you have to keep going to the office for uh, for a while uh, now. For a bit, I was uh, on select days. We would, I would have to, you know, meet um, and greet <laughs> with our team. And uh, but you know, I'm fully at home now. Um, and fr- and right before the pandemic and the the safer at home orders were put in place, I was actually in Washington D.C. for a work conference with a lot of my colleagues from City Hall. Um, and so when we arrived, you know, just a day or two later, uh, it was very clear the orders were going to be put in, in effect. And you've also had the unfortunate situation with the force. You had the unfortunate experience of actually having coronavirus or COVID-19, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I 
I did. I did have it. And how do you find out? um well it started with me feeling just a little icky i i had a i often get headaches um but i had a headache that wouldn't go away for a few days and it wasn't really strong but it just sort of persisted and i started getting some body aches and um and it just wouldn't go away. I felt really tired, a lot of fatigue. And at first, I didn't have any breathing issues. I didn't have a fever. I didn't have any of that. And so at first, I was like, well, it could be a flu. It could be anything. I could just be tired. I hadn't been mm-hmm. sleeping really well. I figured, you know what? Let's get a test because I had around spoken what, with my around what time was Around what time of, was this? Was this like in early February or? No, no. This was uh, early early April. Oh, uh, early April. Mm-hmm. Early and, April, and, and when did you go to DC? Was it was it March? After you got March, uh, in the first half of March. So, um, I got it, you know, while the stay-at-home order was already in place. Um, and I had talked to my doctor, and she, I told her what I was experiencing, and she thought it was very likely I had had it, and they were just going to treat me as I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uh, medical um provider um they were not prepared at that time to give me a test because of the shortage um and so they were just treating anyone with likely symptoms as if they had it quarantine all of that stuff right um i didn't have to go to the hospital it wasn't that severe but i decided to get a test um through the public services that were being provided. And I got my test. It was really simple, really easy. Uh, Drove up, they came to my car, they did the nose swab, and I was gone, like five minutes max. And I got the test back a few days later, still feeling sick by all of this, by the way. And the doctor um, uh, that that I had spoken to when I got the test said, by the way, there's a 30% um, false negative, meaning um, there's a 30% chance that I am sick, but the test won't say that I am. So that's exactly what happened. The test came back negative, but I was still mm. feeling terrible. And I was sort of shocked. I was like, well, maybe I don't have it, but I feel like I have it. It doesn't feel like a cold or a flu. Um, and then at this point, I had lost my taste and a sense of smell. And I had been reading that that was a symptom that people had been experiencing as well. And at that point I knew I had it because I was like, that doesn't happen. And I've never had that happen. And that doesn't happen with any other common cold or flu that right. I've experienced. Um, so my doctor decided to test me for the flu because I told her about the test I t- took that came back negative and uh, they were able to, at that point to give me another test and that test came back positive. So that they was my the testing experience. Was it the same test the day before? Because I because I have heard that what what could happen is that um, it it's no longer in your nasal passages, but it's more deeply embedded within your body. So you can have it, but the nasal test won't show it. Is that what happened to you? So they ended up doing the oral test um, mm-hmm. um, the second time around, which I was at least I thought I was told um, that that one was. Um, less accurate and the nasal one was more accurate but you know all these tests and things are being rolled out so quickly they haven't been vetted in the same way that other 
procedures like these have been like for the flu. Um, but, but that came back positive and I never really had any serious breathing issues. I did have a lot of uh, pressure in my chest and I ended up getting fever, um, uh, in my, it was like a three week experience, um, that I was sick and that would come and go. Um, but you know, I'm grateful that it wasn't that severe, that it was mild in form. I didn't have to go to the hospital and be on a ventilator. And I'm just, you know, lucky in that way. So, um, were you afraid? But I've been. I was at, I was afraid at first um, because I didn't know if it was going to get worse. But as it, I had it. It just never did. Um, it just kind of. It. It was honestly, it was just weird. I was more confused than I was afraid because one time I would have a headache you know, for four days straight, that would go away. But then I would start having a fever and I had fatigue and that would go away. And then I'd lose my sense of taste and I put mm. too much salt and pepper in my food. And the next day I try to eat those leftovers. I threw it out. It was disgusting. <laughs> so it was, it was just like a weird experience and uncomfortable for sure. Uncomfortable. And you live alone, correct? I do live alone. I live with my dog, um, but I live alone. So that I think of all the pieces during this quarantine has been the hardest. Um, I am a independent person. Usually I like my alone time, but this had been hard because um, there's just certain things that you do need as a human. You do need human contact, touch, all those sorts of things. And when you don't get that um, and you're deprived of it, not because it's your choice, but because you're forced into it, it's it's a different circumstance that's harder mm-hmm. to swallow. So I've um, I've been grappling just with that in general, um, but a lot of FaceTime, a lot of phone calls. Um, you know, I'm lucky to have a dog with me because that mm-hmm. does give me um, a lot of joy to be able to have another living thing in the space with me but what was it like to have to you know take him outside to for a walk or go to the bathroom when you were when you had COVID it was weird um thankfully I have like the space I live in I I can do that without having to interact with the public so it's I have like a little courtyard area that's it's a small apartment building it's like three units it's like an old converted house and um so it's built in such a way that you know I'm I'm lucky enough that I can just take them literally right outside and I'm good but not a lot of people have that experience and you know you live in like giant buildings or you have to go through elevators or staircases all that stuff and you know, it's, you know, restriction upon restriction and um, it makes that hard, but I've been pretty lucky through and through, um, through this experience. What's your sense about the, the possibility that COVID and coronavirus is having a bigger impact among, um, in the queer community? Because there's been some people who wonder if some in our community are not taking it so seriously and are um, still hooking up, still having parties, still going out, and wonder if, if you know, because the earlier speculation that taking PrEP or whatever might be a, 
a vaccine of sorts. Um, so is it, you know, from your vantage point, you know, you, you are the president of LA Pride, you work for council members, so you understand policy, but you're also really steeped in the global LGBT community. Are you hearing anything that, that suggests that this actually may be a thing and not just a, um, anecdotal gossip? I have friends, and I love you, friends, if you're going to listen to this. <laughs> I love you dearly. But I do have friends that have attempted to get together, and they ask my opinion. You know, I'm not a health expert, I'm not a doctor, but I am in a space where I get to be educated and informed more than the average person because right. of the nature of my work in government. And they, they come to me, they ask my opinion, hoping for me to give them a glimmer of hope or a way right. to still gather. <laughs> right. Like, I am not going to condone your stupidity. I am not going to give you a license to kill. And I'm certainly not going to allow you to use whatever information I have as a possible outlet to make yourself feel better about something you know is wrong. So I'm not, and no one should. And the fact of the matter is just stay at home. We can make up all sorts of nonsense. We can speculate up the wazoo. Guess what? We still don't know enough. We just right. don't. We don't. We won't know. We don't know. We This thing is new. Like, it hasn't been around that long. They're going to have to figure it out. and. People have to be patient. Yeah, that's hard. It's definitely hard. It's going to take a toll on all of us in ways that are just beyond health and and financial, but on, you know, just on our daily lives, how we conduct ourselves. Um, I'm personally really worried about uh, the mental health aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, that's being talked about, but I don't think enough yet. You know, the people uh, falling into depression. What about you know, the, the, the mom who has an abusive husband who right. is stuck at home and doesn't have an outlet to talk to her coworkers or her family and give them a, a sign, a, a call for help that she's not safe. You know, there are a lot of issues going on here. And I just think it's incredibly irresponsible for young people healthy people. I don't care if you're queer or straight or you are seeking, still figuring it out to how to identify. Just stay at home. Figure it out there. Stay at home. We gave them lots of great television to watch. Watch the RuPaul. Watch paid Vanessa Williams on Celebrity (laughs) Drag Race. Whatever. Just do that. Yes. And then it will be okay. And this whole prep thing, I don't know the science behind that. I have heard that many a times. But I'm going to say something that maybe is a bit controversial. Why are people on Grindr right now? Like, maybe there's a purpose. But what what are you doing? Because nothing good is going to come from that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So you talk to someone, you're, you see that you're 500 feet away. <laughs> what are you going to do? what what's the point and i saw i saw on instagram maybe last week there's some queer thought leaders um out there you know calling out some young gays for 
having a party and there was a DJ and they had gotten oh, yeah. together. Oh, yeah. I heard, Did you yeah. see that one? Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. who those people were. Maybe I'm not cool in enough. New, or, they were in New York. The ones in New York, you mean? Yeah, they were in New York. I don't know those people. I'm not from New York and I'm not that cool. But whoever they are, I mean, why? The, I think the real problem is that you were so stupid enough to put it on it. social media. <laughs> And what and one of them was a wait, but here's the thing. So one of them was one of them was a nurse. One of the host um, partners was a nurse, and then the DJ. If you have not seen this yet, the DJ put out a quote unquote apology video. I saw that. Oh my lord! I want to say, baby, whoever you you have, you obviously have no friends because your friends would have said, "No, this video makes you look stupid, and it does not help your case." So you should not do this video. Just like let it go. Oh, he thinks he has friends. He doesn't have friends. He, he does not. Have it. He does not have friends. And the problem with that is that's not even coronavirus related. It is in like the in the situation aspect of it. But that's just plain stupidity. I'm gonna say how upset I get with our community. There's so much ignorance, stupidity, and just plain old selfishness mm-hmm. that's involved. And you know what? That comes from a place of privilege. A place yeah, no, I mean, of privilege. I do. I think. I think in that case, it's definitely privilege. And I, but I think. Well, first, before I get into my other thing, I think my favorite thing about that um, partying that I have some friends. We have this group chat. And People are not going to be happy about the things I'm saying right now. <laughs> oh, but this is this is real. This is real. It's, it's a reality. It's our truth in this moment. But I love how, like, with that thing in the group chat, they were talking about how in the comments, people called it the Met Gala because it happened around the same time as the Met Gala. I was like, that, I, I died. I was like, the Met Gala. Because that's what it seemed like was the Met Gala. Well, but, I think, but I think in general... Yeah. In general, I think um, that we as a queer community, uh, many of us are single. Um, many of us live alone or live, or live, maybe live with friends or roommates or whatever else, but we don't have a familial unit. There may be a lot of straight couples who are also single, a lot of straight people who are also single, but many have couples. They may not be the best relationships, but they have somebody. So I think for us, our ways of connecting are going to the bars, going to the gym, going on group trips, doing the dodgeball um, teams, doing the yeah. um, all the things that we do and we don't have them. And then I think what it, what it um, helps people make people realize is that they're, that they're, that there's, they're lacking something in their life that on a, on a day-to-day basis that they, they don't have just, they don't have anybody around them to, take care of them when they're sick or to do X, Y, or Z thing. I think for some, it's hard to deal with that. So that it, it makes them feel like they have to go out and engage in the meth galas of the, <laughs> of the world. No, you're absolutely right. And I don't, and, and to those people, my heart goes out because we all need connection. We, we, this is such a um, social uh, community. It's, you're absolutely right. It's, our, our our bars are not just places to drink they're a place to convene and to share memories and to just connect and to mm-hmm. be with our friends who are in many ways our family mm-hmm. and so that that can't be lost and that's what those bars have served as as the beginning of time since they've existed they right. served as places to organize and 
and to love and to meet, to feel safe, uh, to be an activist. You know, it, it's it's just they have these purposes that are beyond what um, a lot of our straight counterparts uh, realize or experience in their own places of gathering. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, we're just going to have to accept that, though, for the time being. And I think the less we fight against that and just know that they're going to be there, support them, order your food from whatever bars they're still doing that, support right. your small businesses, figure it out. But I I just, I don't know how it, how anyone could just think about, yeah, let's have a party with like 40 people at my place right now. We'll have a DJ. That deserves to be called out. I do think it needs to be deserved called to be called out. What inspired you to be the person that you are today? Because <laughs> like, no, you, you have a very, um, you're young um, and you have your, you, your, have your fingers in many pots, um, you know, you're, um, but you're very passionate and driven. Um, so where do you think your drive comes from? Oh, I, I know it comes from, it comes from my mother and it comes from watching my mother and being raised by my mother. My mom was a single mom. Um, she, my parents divorced when I was one. Um, I have an older brother. He's eight years older. Um, and my mom struggled. Um, I mean, she worked her butt off and provided and, you know, paid the mortgage and made sure we were in you know, little league and uh, picked up in time and had food on the table. And, but she worked her jobs, plural, and she, you know, stressed and she had, uh, dropped out of college because um, she had been, gotten pregnant with my brother and wanted to focus on that. And she also um, went uh, to finish her degree while raising us. Um, and so I just found this incredible woman who was an immigrant, came to this country um, when she was 12 or 13, didn't speak a word of English, um, became um a leader in a, a local nonprofit in San Diego County in the healthcare space and just did incredible work. And I was always in awe of her. And I don't think I knew it then, but I, I know it now. I think she was just my hero in every sense of the word. She was just like superwoman. And there was no one that I thought was more incredible than my mother. Um, and as I have grown and I've, as you said, had, you know, been involved in many things, you know, I went through being an actor and doing musical theater professionally. I went, that's what I went to school for and got a scholarship for at UCLA to now working in politics. And I had the opportunity to work on the Prop 8 case that went to the U.S. Supreme Court. I worked for the nonprofit that did that. I worked for the mayor of Los Angeles. I now work for a council member and I get to serve my community in LA pride. I've had so many opportunities and I relate it all back to my mom because my life is good. I have every privilege available. I am Latino, but I'm light skinned. I come from an immigrant family, but I went to college and got a degree and have a good job. I 
um, have had difficulty in my life, but in all intents and purposes, I have had an incredible life. And it's really because of that person. So I feel a responsibility um, to ensure that I pay it forward in every way. So I seek to do that through public service, through public good, uh, through nonprofits and government and um, in other in other ways that I can be of service, I think I will be. And I feel like, you know, I can definitely relate because, you know, my mother raising by herself as well. So I can, I definitely, and she struggled. I think that really, I often say when people want to understand me, look at my mom. Um, you know, cause, mm-hmm. cause, and I totally understand that kind of your, on that perspective. And, and I know our mothers have something else in common that I won't talk about here, but so I can, so I know, I can imagine how that, um, that, experience even endears you to her more um and and really kind of drives you to um to really dig deep into your purpose um in this time period so it's actually um you know so i feel like there's there's as always like those stories about like how we were raised like your mom and everything else it's like an example how there's always a light at the end of the tunnel if you choose to find it and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think right now with coronavirus, there is a light at the end of the tunnel or a silver lining if we choose to, to find it. Like, our, like your mom didn't just say, oh, well, with me, I can't, I can't do it. She said, no, I want to find a way. I'm going to make a way. And, and, I, and I, I hope that many of us going through this moment, like really just choose to find a way to be able to make it through um, even when it can be shitty times, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No, absolutely. We and we have to. We mm-hmm. have to. We 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 gotta we gotta band together and just get through this because what's really, as much as this is difficult, it's also, um, if you think about it, sort of unifying because we're all mm-hmm. going through it at the exact same time. Everybody in the world, and that's that's mm-hmm. the thing. Everybody in the world. So on a switching gears, we have a segment called "What Would You Do." where I give you a scenario and I ask you, what would you do? Are you ready? Oh, yes. So this, this scenario is totally divorced from your reality. Oh my God, I, I feel like you're Andy Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need my little, I need my little card to say, you know, so-and-so from Peoria says. <laughs> Put the music on, please, right. I love it. <laughs> so um, you and your partner have a surrogate in another country. So in this scenario, you have a partner and y'all are having a baby through a surrogate in another country. She hasn't been able to travel to the U.S. due to visa issues and then coronavirus-related travel ban. You are worried that the baby will be born without you there. What would you do? Where does she live? Let's pick, let's say Russia. How about that? God, you had to or, go there. Okay, we can say because they because they have a lot of they have that happens often there. But let's say Russia wouldn't allow it for gay couples. Let's say, um, got it. Um, how about um, Mexico? No, they. I, we got to think about a country that allows it for gay couples. I need to look into that. But some country that allows sur- um, surrogacy for gay couples. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. This is my child. Yeah, I, I would go to them. Is what I, I would I would do. Um, if, as long as I was legally allowed to, and um, 
I, I would. Yeah, absolutely. And what if there was a ban on you getting into that country? That's hard, right? That is hard. I'm not a rule breaker, so it's really hard for me to imagine like violating the law um, in a way or trying to skirt the law. I don't even know how we would do it, frankly. But if if I could get there and I was allowed to, I mean, I would put any like health risks aside or fear of flying during this time, and I would certainly, I would certainly go. Yeah. Well, I've, I've one thing I did learn on an earlier trip when I went to West Africa and like 20 years ago was that in certain other countries, um, bribery is a thing. And it, and so I remember I was in um, Guinea-Bissau, or no, just Guinea, um, and the city of Conakry um, in West Africa, because my boyfriend and I at the time were supposed to go from Senegal to Freetown and Sierra Leone, but Ghana Airways decided they wanted to cancel the flight. So the person at the airport said, well, just take this flight from Senegal to Conakry, and then they'll have these daily flights to Freetown with no problem. We asked the question, do I need a, a visa because I'm American? He was Sierra Leonean. And they, I guess they assumed we're both African and said no. However, we landed and I needed a visa. And then Kona Creek, it was late at night. It was super hot. There's mosquitoes um, um, attacking me. And the people spoke to me in French, which I did not speak. Luckily, my boyfriend spoke French. And I will never forget the man at the customs table. He literally grabbed, picked up my passport, left his that customs booth, and started walking out of the airport terminal. And I thought to myself, oh, this is where it's all going to end. <laughs> but my but my boyfriend, the African, knew. Oh no, this is where the negotiation begins. And so, so my boyfriend followed him out of the airport. Ultimately, paid him a bribe, and I somehow got a visa stamp and was able to go into the country with no problem. Wow! Um, and so, and so, I feel like I feel like if um, if it were me, I would really explore those possibilities and kind of say. There must be a way to be able to to get there legally, quote unquote, but like mm -hmm. through kind of working the system in some kind of way. Yeah, you're you're a lot more crafty than I am. I feel <laughs> like you know how to you know how to do things. <laughs> well, you know that that comes from coming from from from, from growing up in Compton and being able and. <laughs> And knowing a little yeah. bit about knowing a little bit about the world of hustling to try to figure uh -huh. out. Citizens, what would you do in this scenario? We want to know. Go to the Quarantine and Chill podcast page on Instagram and take part in our poll in the story. Or even post a response in your own story. Make sure to add us or to tag us and we will share it. On a, on a, on a different um, note, um, what are some things you've been doing to keep yourself sane? I got a Peloton. That's you did? I, I think I need to be a spokesperson. I may become an influencer. Um, <laughs> get, get ready, world. I'm coming. I'll be on TikTok shortly. 
Um, <laughs> no, I got a Peloton. I'm very surprised with myself that I did it. Because one, I, I like to exercise a lot. And um, I like uh, the group fitness environment. Obviously, that's not going to happen um, anytime soon. I actually don't like going to the gym. Like, because... I'd like to be directed as what to do. Um, it's sort of, it's both mindless and um, more productive for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that duality. So I got the Peloton thinking, well, I'd love to spin, but I don't know if I'll love it. I love it. It's great. Um, it, they have classes other than spin that you can also do, um, like floor exercises, yoga and strength. Oh, and really? Cardio. I, I did not know they that. Got, They've got meditation. They've got it all. They've got stretching. They've got all the classes. You know, you can get other pieces of equipment like the weights and like bands, things like that. Um, so I'm a huge supporter of it. I've been doing that every morning. I wake up, walk from my bedroom uh, to my living room where the Peloton is, jump on the bike, and then maybe do like another like 20, 30 minute class on the floor. And I feel great and I have the energy and I just like, set on my day doing work and jumping between city hall work and LA pride work and checking in with friends and family and thinking about what I'm going to cook. That's my other thing is I think <laughs> throughout the day, I'll be like, you know, I buy all this food. I've never bought so much food in my life Likewise. for myself and yeah. spent this much food, amount of uh, dollars on groceries Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been taken aback by that, but then also taken aback by like, oh yeah, I'm not spending money on other. <laughs> right, you're saving, like, you're saving money like like the bar, the bar tab, yeah, going out of the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's been fun cooking. Like I made a, uh, a <laughs> I wanted to make shrimp scampi, but I've been trying to eat really well, and I haven't been drinking right now, um, and. Um, I uh, so I found like a skinny shrimp scampi recipe <laughs> that was light on the butter, he- heavy on the citrus and olive oil. But um, I made that and been doing all sorts of fun things like that, decorate re- redecorating my apartment and trying to get some new books and watching TV, all the things. Hi, citizens! For today's wellness tips, go to the Quarantine Until Facebook page. You can even leave some of your own. Where can people find you on the socials? Um, they can find me on justforfans.com. Uh, and <laughs> love it, no, love it. No, no, I um, they cannot find me there. <laughs> um, actually, so don't look. But uh, I, my Instagram is private. But if um, you're nice. I'll uh, accept you, EJ <laughs> Montamayor, EJ M O N T E M A Y O R, and then um, I'm on Twitter too. Um, Is that one private? That's not private, but you know. If you follow me on Twitter, all you'll see is that I retweet other people. I don't think I've ever had an original thought. So <laughs> this podcast is groundbreaking because I'm sharing my own thoughts, unlike on Twitter, where I just retweet other people's thoughts. Where do you want to travel after all this is over, when the zombie apocalypse ends? So I had gone to Greece last year. Um, uh, it was... 
for a conference, actually, for Pride, for Interpride, which is the association of all the prides in the world. Um, and it was in Athens, which was an interesting city. Um, not my favorite of the cities. No, no. But uh, an interesting one. I, I mean, I enjoyed seeing it and being there. I, it was less interesting than I thought, though. Um, but what I did love was my time on... I didn't go to Mykonos because the time of year I was I was there, Mykonos was basically like just closing down. But mm. Santorini was still like the weather was still good, and it was still like towards the end of the season they were still open. So I went to Santorini, and I went to a smaller I- island called Hydra, and I went to uh, Crete, mm. and all very different and all very great. I would love to go to Mykonos. I was planning to go to Europe for like a month or five weeks this year because we had another, the same conference, but this time in Norway. And I was going to do a little bit of Paris, a little bit of, you know, maybe Italy, um, maybe go to Mykonos and then spend some time in Scandinavia um, for a little bit, see some whales, live in an igloo, I don't know. And, uh, but not now, not now, not now, it's all over. So, um, next year, I I was supposed to go to Mexico too, and for Memorial Day, obviously not happening. So, I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I want something so different. Like, I don't think I would even want to be like at a fancy hotel or anything. Like, I think I would want to be in a place where you get to go experience and be, you know whether it's with nature or in an incredible city that mm-hmm. I haven't experienced yet. But, you know, there's some of those like lovely luxury vacations where you're just sort of lounging and you're looking at, you know, some beautiful water. I'm always down for that, but I, I think I want more of an experience. Yeah. I love it. What is one thing you hope to take away from this experience? I hope to take away the 10 pounds that I've gained during (laughs) quarantine. I hope to take them away and throw them outside for (laughs) someone else to pick up. Um, That's my number one thing. But I think for myself, I've learned how simple life can be. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You don't need all the things and all... You don't need fancy restaurants. You don't need fancy cars. You don't need anything. Mm-hmm. What you really need is human contact and and people you care about. That's what really matters. And it, it has taught, at least myself, um, the value in, in the important things. Well, I value you and value your time Likewise. today. Um, so thank you for joining us. Everybody listening, Vincent Jones with Quarantine and Chill. Gracias, toda oba, ni, obrigado. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quarantine and Chill, a creation of yours truly, Vincent Jones and Citizen Jones Travel. Much love to the amazing Ben Salk who produces, edits, and makes all the music for the podcast. If you love this episode, please like and leave positive comments on the podcast platform of your choice. You have no idea how much that helps us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can learn more about today's guests and get any resources mentioned in the conversation, as well as connect with other citizens in the Quarantine and Chill community. 
Until tomorrow, this is Vincent Jones reminding you to wash your hands. Let's quarantine and chill. Chill. Chill.